You're listening to The Onside Podcast, the podcast for innovation-driven entrepreneurship here in Atlantic Canada. I'm your host, Alex McCann, and this is season two, episode 13. And in this episode, we are taking a look at the space and satellite industry growing here in Nova Scotia. Our guest today is Steve Mattier, founder, CEO, and director of Maritime Launch Services. Steve is the visionary and driving force behind Maritime Launch. A mechanical engineer by training, Steve is a skilled international spaceport licensing specialist. As an expert analyst of spaceports and launch vehicles, Steve shares extensive knowledge and experience in matching clients with the infrastructure and technology to meet their business needs. A former NASA contractor, Steve is the recipient of the prestigious Silver Snoopy Award for excellence in flight safety and mission success. Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining us at the Onside podcast. I'm really uh, excited and happy to to have you here, especially there's so many interesting things going on in the space world today. Um, but uh, as we kind of get started, could you give us a little bit of your background? Can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who who is Steve? Oh, well, thank you for the invitation <laughs> to be here. I really do appreciate it. So I've been 32 years in the industry. The mm -hmm. space industry started in New Mexico uh, with a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering, went to work at the NASA mm -hmm. White Sands Test Facility, mm -hmm. worked there for 16 years in the space shuttle program, which was really fun mm -hmm. and a blast in every meaning Literally. of the word. <laughs> it was a rocket propulsion test facility that uh, was initially uh, built in the 60s as a part of the Apollo era. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was all that history of Apollo and, and going on around as well as the space shuttle program. So uh, I as an engineering manager there for quite a number of years and then branched out uh, building on that uh, and went independent as a, as a consultant. Mm. And as a consultant, I was hired to do a lot of different studies and work on a lot of different business proposals for NASA and other contractors. Uh, and one in particular was to look for a spaceport location in North America that could serve this burgeoning satellite market mm -hmm. in the trajectory that people want to put satellites and did that study in 2016. Mm -hmm. And that's what really brought me to Nova Scotia. We started a project, found the location, got some seed funding, mm -hmm. did an environmental assessment, and uh, have been moving forward with that development. So my family and I, uh, my two daughters of the six, uh, the two youngest daughters, right, right. Uh, have uh, moved here with me, and, and Anne and I have been here for four years now, four winters, I should say. Four winters, yes. <laughs> how, how have you adjusted to being in Nova Scotia from New Mexico? I bet, imagine it's a little bit different. It is definitely. Definitely different. Uh, probably the biggest thing is spring is so short here mm. and winter is so long, hangs on so long. Mm -hmm. In New Mexico, we certainly have tomatoes on the vine in June and we're looking oh. for leaves just to join the, the fray yeah. here in, in, in June in, in Nova <laughs> Scotia. So the, it's not that the winters are so much colder or, mm. uh, because we live in, in the northern part of the state, in, in okay. part of the Rocky Mountain chain, uh, the Sandia Mountains there. So we, we see some snow in the cold, but it's just the length of winter seems yeah. to drag on forever. So Yeah. I remember when I first moved here, I've been in Halifax for a while and uh, I did not really realize that spring was so long or, or the cold season was so long. I remember trying, I think, in late May to go buy some flowers, you know, to plant in the yard in uh, 
And I remember going to the uh, the Home Depot and the woman was like, oh, my dear, you need to come back towards the end of June. <laughs> like you're, you're way you're way too early. She she's uh, she took pity on me. She she redirected me to some some house plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. So so how did you, you know, like you, you, ha- you had this illustrious kind of career working with space shuttle and in space like but what what actually kind of got you excited or inspired to go into this industry in the in the first place how did you even think about it oh, well it was an opportunity coming out of college in the in the simplest sense uh, mm-hmm. in new mexico not too far from where i went to school in albuquerque and landed this opportunity but the opportunity to work on the space shuttle program was really really quite awesome mm-hmm. uh, to be a part of that environment of putting astronauts into space and being able to meet astronauts and walk up and down the uh, shuttle, space shuttle cargo bay Mm -hmm. in Kennedy Space Center and just be a part of that really lit that fire for me. Mm -hmm. And what I found is it's ended up helping me build a a resume for the future, you know, being able to operate a rocket test facility. Uh, learning the ropes in the business development uh, and aspects that come along with uh, entrepreneurial startups. Uh, started my own business and moving forward that it really, uh, it was just putting together all those pieces that really brought me forward to today. Mm. And um, speaking about being an entrepreneur, like what made you, was there something that kind of got you excited about being an entrepreneur in this space? Like what led you to branch off from kind of, you know, I would say, uh, you know, a nine to five job, even if it's as, as exciting as working for NASA and working on programs and contracts and things like that? What, what kind of inspired you to say, you know, I think I want to start a business doing this? Well, it, it really has to do with the industry itself. Mm-hmm. It's going through so many significant changes from the, the space shuttle era. Uh, the last space shuttle mission was in 2011. And uh, space got ceded to commercial industry basically by governments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when the SpaceX's and, and those other companies started coming online and started trying to build rockets mm-hmm. and do stuff. So. Low Earth orbit became the place where people wanted to be with their satellites instead of the larger geosynchronous orbit satellites uh, that go around the equator. Now you can put them in low Earth orbit mm-hmm. a thousand kilometers up instead of thirty thousand, mm-hmm. and have them be you know one hundredth the size even. So technology changes and the the opening up of of that market mm-hmm. to commercial I think is really what it got me interested and really being a part of it. Mm-hmm. And you said that uh, your journey brought you to this in, in 2016. Is that when you came to Nova Scotia? Was it that in 2016 or shortly thereafter when you decided to uh, move forward with the uh, maritime launch? Actually, it was hired to do a study mm-hmm. because of my resume uh, working for NASA and working in the space sector itself as a private mm-hmm. entrepreneur to do a study uh, to try to identify a location in North America. Mm-hmm. So I looked at 13, 14 different locations everywhere mm-hmm. from uh, Newfoundland, Churchill, Manitoba, mm-hmm. from Sheet Harbor, mm-hmm. Canso, uh, up and down the East Coast, West Coast. I was on a beach in Chiapas, Mexico with the Mexican oh. Space Agency looking oh, nice. at places like that. I bet and that was nice and sunny. It was, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was some interesting stories there in um, Alaska, Hawaii. Anyway, so I did this study and I was looking at 14 or 15 different elements of how you down select one. Mm-hmm. 
first one being safety. Mm -hmm. Safety to the local public, safety downrange. It's got to be coastal mm -hmm. because stages, um, you know, have to be able to be planned mm -hmm. to return, et cetera. You know, so it was through that study that we identified uh, the location in Canso to really be mm -hmm. the one that worked. And then it was able to find a first investor and mm -hmm. we got the company started here, tagged up with Stuart McKelvey. Mm -hmm. uh, they opened the firm for us and, and we got that ball rolling. Again, it really did fundamentally start with uh, safety for mm -hmm. the local population and uh, for the downrange where, mm -hmm. where the rocket's going to go and then everything else falls in place after that. You have to look at community support. You have to look at all mm -hmm. these other elements uh, that go into it. You know, do you have infrastructure nearby? Mm -hmm. are, there, are there seaports? Is there power, water, mm -hmm. uh, community infrastructure? Mm -hmm. All those kinds of things that go into really defining what you need to build a spaceport. And it came up really green uh, checks in all those boxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the uh, location made a huge difference. Is there something that's going on kind of in Canada that's also kind of making it an interesting time to set something up or to go further down in this industry? Like what's happening that's going on in the industry in Canada that makes it an exciting time? Well, we've had a very robust satellite manufacturing capability across the country with uh, MDA Telesat and, and many, many others. But all of those satellites have to be shipped somewhere else to be launched. Mm -hmm. There was actually a study done by John Chapman back in the 60s. And he had some output from that study that said, hey, build a space agency, check. Build mm -hmm. a satellite company, mm -hmm. Telesat, check. Mm -hmm. But what got lost in his piece was he said, don't build a large rocket launch facility, let the U.S. do it. Mm -hmm. But he did recognize the need and pushed for a small rocket launch facility. Mm -hmm. um, that last part got lost in the shuffle. So there's never yeah. actually ever been a push to build an orbital launch capability in Canada. Mm -hmm. But the market has changed. Mm -hmm. And so we've got this great infrastructure already, mm -hmm. uh, all these satellites that are being built, and they're being shipped somewhere else to go into space. Mm -hmm. So now if you've got a location where the market wants to put them, mm -hmm. which is what Canso really represents, uh, then you've got the perfect location to actually build a spaceport to deliver mm -hmm. those satellites. Canadian U.S. international satellites into orbit. Mm -hmm. you, you were kind of mentioning a little bit about the infrastructure that's required, kind of that's ideal, I guess, in Nova Scotia. So the ports, the facilities. Um, what was kind of like the, because I'm sure there's probably uh, other places as well, but was there something particular that was very unique about uh, the location for in, in Nova Scotia that was different than some of the other places that you identified? I mean, I'm sure Mexico would have been lovely. Maybe it's sunnier there more times of the year. Is there something like that's particularly unique about Nova Scotia that made it uh, an ideal location? The location that people want to put their satellites mm -hmm. has changed from geosynchronous type orbits for large satellites into polar mm -hmm. and sun-synchronous orbits, almost due south or due north, if you will. And then inclinations up to, you know, 45, 55 degrees. Uh, so, you know, from Canso up to basically mm -hmm. off the coast of, of Africa. So that huge range of inclinations in one spot mm -hmm. is really important for where satellites want to, you know, want to be. Mm -hmm when they get into orbit for doing their job. So these satellites are about global broadband, near earth imaging, mm -hmm. you know, internet of things, remote control of vehicles, all the uh, growing industry, which is, which is monstrous. Mm -hmm. It's $400 billion a year US 
today and growing at three to five percent, headed for a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all about getting satellites from the ground and into space. Mm-hmm. And into space means where into space. So they're building these constellations that are not one, two, three, but ten to thousands of satellites that communicate to each other and down to the earth in the range of inclinations that we have from cancel. That is so fascinating. I mean, I think that um, probably most people don't even realize that maritime launches operate, if you're you know, not within the industry, but mm-hmm. I would say most people don't really even realize that maritime launches here. And you had some very interesting, exciting news that was announced yesterday mm-hmm. uh, in the press. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Like what's, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mentioned we really started this initiative with a safety analysis mm-hmm. and really uh, first principles in 2016. And we held our first open house in the community of Canso in 2017, January of 2017, mm-hmm. explaining to the community what we're doing, getting their input, willing to walk away, not, not really mm-hmm. trying to force anything on anyone. And mm-hmm. it was only as a result of their support for this initiative and what it could offer Uh, that we went forward and in March of that year made the announcement for the site selection. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, right after that selection, we initiated an environmental assessment process and that EA registration was done in 2017. Mm -hmm. And the province came back and said, you know, this is all cool, but Mm -hmm. it's a rocket launch facility. How about you tell (laughs) us a little more? So they assigned us with what's called a focus report. And Uh, We had to provide an enormous amount of additional information Mm -hmm. to the province for them uh, to uh, analyze and really consider this project. We got that approved in June of 2019. With that approval was quite a laundry list of things that needed to get Mm -hmm. done. Wildlife management plan, bird studies, wetland mitigation plans, all kinds of things that we've been working on Mm -hmm. since then. We've done close to 65 different bird studies out there. So we've done our due diligence really to, you know, flora, fauna, lichen, you name it. We've We've looked looked for it out there and worked through that process Mm -hmm. where we have gotten now the approval to start construction. The land we're using is called Crown Land, and we had uh, leased uh, uh, an application to lease 335 acres that also got approved about week and a half ago. So (laughs) the the land (laughs) lease is in place. Uh, The EA is approved Mm -hmm. now for start of construction and we're off to the races. That is really exciting. And I I know that um, in different kinds of industries, I especially know from the wind industry, for example, getting environmental assessments or other kinds of um, industries that that can be a very long process, Mm -hmm. but is very important to do because once something goes up, it's really hard to to backtrack if there's any kind of uh, environmental issues. I guess I'm imagining um, there's uh, folks are concerned about sort of the environmental impact of where you're placing the um, the facility itself. But I guess maybe was there some concern around the um, launching of rockets or things like that and what that would how that might uh, affect uh, communities in terms of any um, emissions or fuel spillage or, you know, those kinds of things. I guess that those are the kinds of things that are usually kind of thought of. But you work through that process to get that cleared up. Yeah, and indeed. And it's all published. It's on the Nova Scotia Environment and Climate Change website Mm -hmm. with the focus report, for example, Mm -hmm. which was really drilling down into 
worst case scenarios, maximum quantities of propellants, worst case, I mean, and, and really looking at the global footprint. This mm -hmm. isn't the first spaceport built on Earth. Right. Uh, there's, there's many, many of them in the US and South America and India, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of information drawn mm -hmm. for that. And we really were able to pull together a comprehensive uh, analysis to provide that understanding. We had presentations mm -hmm. that we made uh, to Nova Scotia Environment, Department of Natural Resources, uh, Environment and Climate Change, the federal level as well. Uh, You've to, done it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, and, yeah. and that was just to get the focus report done. Yeah. And then following that, of course, working through all of these other additional studies and uh, our, our efforts to date mm -hmm. have been quite significant. We've pulled, um, you know, experts from, mm -hmm. from, from my contacts in the U.S. at Spaceports because of my industry that mm -hmm. I was in down there from uh, locations that have supported spaceport launches for many, many years, mm -hmm. East Coast, West Coast, mm -hmm. so you name it, working with rocket fuels, NASA, mm -hmm. et cetera. And we brought them up here. They helped us write some of the material. They also you know, participated in uh, open houses that we mm -hmm. had in the community, mm -hmm. poster boards with them standing next to them, explaining to the community what we're doing. And I think that's probably been the strength of our project is mm -hmm. really being open about everything, good, bad, and, and the ugly, yeah. and having the experts there that can answer those questions. Questions. We've done four open houses over the years and uh, have really been grateful for that community support. Well, it's, it's interesting, and, and I love hearing about kind of the um, engagement with the community, also the focus on environmental concerns. Everybody, you know, wants to make sure we're minimizing any kind of environmental impact and damage to the planet and uh, getting that sort of community buy-in. What do you think is like the opportunity in Canada for this industry and this sector? I know you're involved in a lot of different uh, things and you've brought experts here. You're on various councils and, and things like that. And I know you're mostly focused kind of on what's happening here in Nova Scotia and with Maritime Launch specifically. But is there a broader sort of opportunity in Canada? Uh, you know, we're talking about low orbit uh, satellites and, and uh, you know, all the talk about uh, going back to the moon and, uh, you know, Canada arm. And, you know, we have a, quite a, you know, robust kind of aerospace defense sort of industry. Like what are what are some things that you're you're seeing or you think might be opportunities related to this sector for Canada? All of the companies that are across Canada that are building satellites and coming up with innovation at the universities, et cetera, mm -hmm. they're really active right now. There's, you know, the, the synthetic capture radar satellites. There's uh um, and other kinds of, uh, of satellite technologies mm -hmm. that are helping us in the climate change issues, for example, mm -hmm. monitoring for methane leaks out west. Mm -hmm. and, and if you can monitor and you can find them, then you can stop them. So there's a whole environmental component to this thing that I think is important that we're real mm -hmm. true leaders on. Mm -hmm. And we're worried about the poles and we're close to the poles and we have an obligation up north to monitor mm -hmm. them. And, and it's a natural, I think, for Canada to be focused on what is going up in the North mm -hmm. Pole in particular. And so having a launch location that can put Put satellites over the poles mm -hmm. like we have, I mm -hmm. think, is an important addition to uh, our capability. So, you know, the, the federal government has been wonderfully supportive in this initiative and in this development. They, they've, they've really come around and warmed to the idea that, mm -hmm. you know, we do need domestic launch capability. I think there was some some 
lessons that came out of COVID where mm. we had to, you know, ramp up production of, mm. of material of vaccinations and, you know, the, um, that weren't existing. And it's mm. like, okay, maybe we should take stock of where we are mm -hmm. uh, with respect to you know, things like space and having a domestic launch capability. I've met mm. with mm -hmm. members of DND as well mm -hmm. and, and Space Agency, Global Affairs. Um, and uh, I said, Transport Canada is the regulatory body, mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so across the board in, in the federal government, I think there's a real recognition that uh, it's it's time. Mm. It's our time. And, and with this market that is just going bananas, mm -hmm. uh, there is no reason why uh, we have to be, you know, um, small thinking mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a number of ministers, federal ministers that mm -hmm. have been very vocal about the potential mm -hmm. for, for what this also brings. We're part of uh, what's called Space Canada. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a group that's uh, recently formed to try to promote development in Canada, and we're one of the founding members of that. Mm -hmm. I'm pleased to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you got satellite manufacturers and a launch vehicle company, mm -hmm. all, you know, one of my colleagues in the industry is this uh, vision of a Pan Canada offering, where mm -hmm. we can design, develop satellites, launch satellites, and then help them with the data stream on the backside mm -hmm. of it—a full market offering. Mm -hmm. Uh, from you know concept to to data uh, at at the other end of coming from Canada mm -hmm. in one offering, and I think that's really powerful. Mm. That's actually really interesting when you're talking about kind of the every guest that we have here has a COVID kind of impact story about how this moment in time changed their perspective, either in their own business or in the industry, or reassess what the opportunity is. And I definitely think in Canada or the world globally realized we hadn't had a point in time where borders were shut down uh, and the need to build up capacity, whether it was around food, <laughs> food security. I remember yes. there was an issue about would, would we have enough food in Nova Scotia? Or because paper you, towels, or right? Or paper <laughs> towels. Yes, yes. Right. Or flour. Yeah. I remember going right. to, you know, all of these right. kinds of things. And um, we definitely saw it in the the vaccine industry and, and uh, getting vaccines, even though there's a lot of uh, biotech capability in Canada, suddenly not being able to access either the ingredients or supplies or things like that to manufacture or have the, the facilities uh, to do that. And that's kind of an ongoing thing. But I guess what I'm kind of hearing is that uh, there was a bit of an opportunity to move ahead with the satellite spaceport kind of industry in Canada. But maybe it sounds like COVID sort of brought it a little bit more into focus that maybe now is the moment and we need to build up more capacity uh, here. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I, I, that That's exactly right. And when you have companies like Telesat that are intending to build a global constellation mm -hmm. for, uh, uh, for broadband, mm -hmm. I think that's a really important aspect. Giving communication opportunities to the rural parts of Canada, being, you know, up in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. And uh, up on the Skyline Trail and being able to get Wi-Fi, for example, would yeah. be pretty awesome, right? And, yeah. and that's what you get. Interestingly, right, I was up in the schools of Canso in June mm -hmm. working with the schools, doing some presentations to three different classes. And everybody knew about Starlink. Mm. SpaceX's mm -hmm, version mm -hmm. yes, of yeah, it. Yeah. And, and some of these kids, their parents have that. Mm -hmm. So while it's not operating to any maximum capacity or capability, people are recognizing that they can get global broadband 
uh, from satellites mm -hmm. and it's in their backyard mm -hmm. uh, that it's happening. Mm -hmm. So that's an important part, right? If you can provide that, it, it, it doesn't care what the weather is outside. Uh, if you have power to your computer mm -hmm. and you've got an internet connection, you can communicate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really an important tool for us as well. Yeah, I think the, uh, the opportunity for rural connection is uh, really interesting and really important. And that, that's been uh, something that we've been looking at uh, as well. It's funny, I, when you were talking earlier, I was uh, just remembering I was just on the phone trying to talk to somebody who was up in Cape Breton and they were driving down and we had to get off the phone about three or four times just mm -hmm. so they, they're like, wait a minute, I have to get to the next town. Then I can talk to you for another, you know, 10 minutes or so <laughs> and then, you know, speed it along. But uh you know, I think that that connectivity and finding the right um, kind of infrastructure that can support folks in different places, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's in rural parts of Canada or across Africa or, you know, Indeed. other places where infrastructure is a lot, I mean, you know, it's a lot harder to put infrastructure in a jungle or in the forest or places like that. And uh, some of that uh, on the ground uh, infrastructure makes it a lot more challenging, which is why satellites mm -hmm. uh, provide a very interesting kind of global connective Fiber, I guess, uh, indeed, yes. uh, that uh, that gives us all sort of this really interesting kind connectivity, of connectivity. Yes. Connectivity. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel so cliche. I was mm -hmm. talking about connectivity, mm -hmm. but uh, especially in a world where we've never been so connected, but also so apart. Right. Uh, so right. that's that's probably like another. <laughs> oh, there's a whole another episode there. <laughs> that's like a whole another. Oh, I have this whole thing I've been thinking about for a while. Is like, how do you build connection and community across a distributed environment? Mm -hmm. And I feel like with COVID, this has never been more topical or relevant. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I find that whole whole discussion really really interesting. You know, w one of the things I I love about this industry is that it is so cutting edge. It almost, you know, with SpaceX and the work that you're doing, you know, and I, I don't know if people have watched, there's a, a show, it's called For All Mankind. Have you seen this show? Mm, it's no, a space show. Okay, mm. I have to admit, I'm like a bit of a sci-fi nerd, so I will watch anything that has to do with sci-fi, but you should watch it. It's basically kind of looking, it's an imagined future of the U.S. trying to get to the moon. But we're not the first. The Russians are the first. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's this kind of alternative history. And uh, But what's interesting about it is all of the technological advancements that are created for just the opportunity to pursue space. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the, the you know, uh, Internet or new materials or things like that, it's this this drive kind of towards the future. I kind of got a little lost there. They're trying to get to the to Mars and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. But it's really sort of a interesting look at, you know, what you can do towards the future and all of the kinds of industries and things like that that follow along when you're, you know, moving towards this goal of literally reaching for the stars and sort of beyond. What do you think is um, for for rural Nova Scotia kind of reaching for the stars? What are some of the kind of local opportunities that could be fostered kind of on the ground as as your your company is starting to get off the ground are there things that folks could you know that that they haven't imagined yet that could be kind of a gate i don't say a gateway towards the the stars but uh, a gateway to you know what's going to be happening next does the space industry create space for new kinds of industries or jobs or opportunities like what are some of the things that could follow behind i guess in the the wake of the space industry 
So I would I would draw your attention to Halifax and uh, what its main core is in the shipbuilding. Mm. And what has happened as a result of shipbuilding is this whole bedroom community of support of engineering, manufacturing capabilities, universities, the waterfront, mm-hmm. all the stuff that came from that and mm-hmm. the tourism itself too. At the end of the day, beginning of the day, mm-hmm. we are a seaport and, and that's how things started. Much the same is true for a spaceport. Mm. We're going to operate safely, environmentally friendly, and we're not glamorous. We're about getting satellites where our customers want them mm-hmm. safely and on time and, and at a, an affordable price. And by keeping our nose down, the UPS drivers of space, <laughs> right? The, yeah. I mean, it's about getting it on the doorstep where they want it. By focusing on the inside of the fence, that leaves the outside of the fence as a huge opportunity. Mm. People are bringing satellites here by the dozens, by the hundreds, by the thousands. Now suddenly one breaks and needs a repair. You need a manufacturing capability nearby. You need to be able to do testing of them before they're accepted Mm -hmm. onto the vehicle itself, right? So, um, you know, shaker tables, thermal vac chambers, Mm -hmm. all kinds of uh, high-end equipment that goes into checking out satellites. Now satellite clients wanna, that, that are building them by the mm-hmm. tens, the hundreds, the thousands, they would like to have them co-located to where they're going to be launched. So now you've got this opportunity just down the road where you've got the manufacturing capability. And we have such a robust university infrastructure with Cape Breton University, mm-hmm. et cetera, St. Francis Xavier University, Dalhousie, and and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to under not name all yeah, of yeah. them, right? <laughs> um, but that capability is really quite robust. So now, you know, and, and they're involved in space. Mm-hmm. There's a, a group at Dahl that are building a CubeSat that's going to go up on the International Space Station. Oh, neat. Uh, it's part of a CCP program uh, uh, that uh, Canadian Space Agency yeah, fostered. Yeah. So there's all this opportunity, I think, that is happening um, across uh, Nova mm. Scotia and across Canada to, to help bring that to bear. Uh, we're also working with the First Nations community. The Bakankek are the closest mm-hmm. uh, community to the spaceport location. And they were one of my first stops in 2017 as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. Uh, meeting with them and talking to them about, uh, to them about what this opportunity could mm-hmm. mean and be for them. So it was really important, I think, mm-hmm. that they see some of the potential opportunities that come with this as well. The Space Agency has opened up a program here to a STEM program mm-hmm. uh, to focus on First Nations and uh, STEM opportunity development. So mm-hmm. I think there's a real groundswell already that's underway. And then at the end of the day, you look at how we need to operate the site. And you'll look at the trades mm-hmm. uh, that are required. I, this is right out of my my playbook or yeah, NASA yeah. <laughs> facility. You know, eighty percent of the ninety percent of the people are not geeky people with mm-hmm. slide rules. Mm-hmm. They are nobody knows what a slide rule is today anymore. I only know what that is because of watching that show. I was telling you about. <laughs> I get all my science information from science from sci-fi. But keep going. <laughs> yeah. So so the backbone of the site are, are, are trades kinds of things. Mm-hmm. They're they're plumbers, pipe fitters electricians, mm, welder, there's welders, mechanics, yeah. welders, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, environmental folks, IT, all the kinds of things that you need to operate a place. Uh, the technicians are uh, mechanical, electrical. Uh, they all come from trades that are very close to what is mm-hmm. already happening, whether it's LNG or, or, mm-hmm. or uh, other kinds of things like that. I've looked at the uh, uh, Nova Scotia Community College uh, course list, for example, and, and I can build most of my training courses mm-hmm. uh, from the courses that are already offered. So it's really interesting. We've got a Aerospace and Defense Association mm-hmm. here. They haven't thought about space so much, but you take that workforce and you 
point them in this direction a little bit mm -hmm. and it fits really quite well. Mm -hmm. So now it's about uh, finishing off that with a training and comprehensive OJT programs mm -hmm. on top of the training that they have in place. So mm -hmm. I think it's really already ready to go. And then even including, you know, firefighters and security guards, et cetera. So it really covers the waterfront. Wow. That was a lot. I was just like imagining all of these people and all of those different kinds of trades and industries that are kind of like filtering up or filtering down to make all of this happen. Because mm -hmm. you're right, whether it's the space shuttle or something else, you know, only a few people will actually get to space mm -hmm. or one satellite or well, lots of satellites, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But there's an entire army of folks who are working behind the scenes diligently to to make all those things happen. Oh, yeah. Think about the Artemis and the planned launch or a space shuttle launch or a SpaceX launch, yeah. et cetera. There's a, and, and then, you know, looking beyond that, then there's this whole tourism aspect. Okay, we're hooked. Yeah. We, we love Nova Scotia. It's a tourism. We're whale, good Jeff Bezos here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We, we're, you know, whale watching on uh, uh -huh. Digby Neck here just a couple of weeks ago. And we've been everywhere in Cape uh -huh. Breton, the Miners Museum, and everywhere in between Skyline Trail. You name it. We're okay. ambassadors for Nova Scotia. So this whole industry of uh, the tourism industry that's already uh -huh. mature and capable for the people that are going to be coming here, not just with their launch vehicles or mm -hmm. not with their satellites, but the people that want to watch rocket launches. I mm -hmm. can't tell you, uh, you know, how many hundreds of emails I've gotten to people that are telling me where they're going to be oh. uh, on launch day. And it is going to be quite packed up in that area. when we're. I, I think rockets. I might have to be one of these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be good viewing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I hadn't even actually thought about kind of the space tourism mm -hmm. sort of uh, opportunity. I, I, when I was a kid, I used to go to uh, live in Washington, D.C., and I used to go to National Airport and there was a little park and you could lay down in the grass and watch all the planes take off. Yeah. And you get the, the rush of the the wind of the the turbines like rumbling as you're like as it's going uh, uh, over you, but I can imagine probably watching a, a rocket launch is probably way more exciting, and probably you know maybe not everybody is a is a Jeff Bezos, uh, you know who wants to uh, to be launched in into space, but. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think uh, you, Nova Scotia could be an ideal destination for things like that. We have kind of all of the other things that would just be the the icing on the on the cake. So maybe that we'll maybe we'll get there one day, mm -hmm. one day, one day. Well, you, you talked a little bit. Um, just have a couple more questions for you. Uh, you talked a little bit about all of the um, uh, you know the people that are involved in kind of uh, supporting the space industry, supporting the satellite industry, um, and I know we, we've talked. Uh, you know, at Onside, we're really interested in fostering inclusive, innovation-driven entrepreneurship. We love hearing about really uh, advanced tech um, industries such as this. And one thing we're, you know, looking at is trying to think about how these kinds of industries can can be a bit more inclusive, mm -hmm. so that uh, whether it's folks from rural communities or women or BIPOC people, uh, what, what are your thoughts about uh, getting getting more uh, inclusion into this into this industry? Oh, I think it's already happening, and I think it's paramount that it continue. And and and, and I'm a, a father of six daughters, mm -hmm. so I, it, it's a personal uh, to me in, in in many ways. My partner Ann and I are, are very engaged in 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 making sure opportunity is there for for our kids, and I think it is happening. Mm -hmm. I, I look across the you know Canadian Space Agency president is is Lisa Campbell, mm -hmm. and and uh, we have. Uh, Astronauts from Canada, Roberta Bondar, and 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 people like that. You know, 
even our deputy prime minister. I mean, everybody fits into that bill of, of really providing mm-hmm. some foundation for future opportunity to, to grow. And that includes this industry as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a lot of the kids that I met up in Canso, uh, most of them that were asking questions, I'll tell you, were girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're asking probing deep questions about deep space activities and satellites so, and internet and connectivity and things like that. Uh, the, the boys were, were more bored. Um, so from a, a personal engagement mm-hmm. perspective, as late as this past June, I think it's, it's really uh, that opportunity is there for inclusiveness, for mm-hmm. sure. That's awesome. Well, I love to hear that. I love to hear that the girls are asking lots of questions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's really great. My last question for you for our session is one that we uh, like to ask a lot of our guests, which is around uh, whether or not entrepreneurship or becoming an entrepreneur, whether you think that that is something that is nurtured or does that come about because of nature? What do you think? To me, it's clearly nurtured and it's important. It fits with your previous question as well. Mm. There's some natural nurturing that presents opportunities for certain segments of our society, you know, I'm a white man in America, right, mm-hmm. if you will. And so which base am I on when I started my nurturing path mm-hmm. to build out and uh, the challenges for, you know, uh, um, BIPOC and, mm-hmm. and women and, and, and First Nations community members, et cetera. It's also uh, about nurturing for them too, but they're starting at home mm-hmm. plate and having to go around the bases. Mm-hmm. It's not really starting at third and going home. So it is nurturing, but it's really important that we empower, we, we um, provide uh, mentorship opportunities mm. and role models for them to really grab onto to take hold of that and make it happen. Sadly, it's still a harder slog for uh, many people to uh, nurture that entrepreneurial spirit mm. and make it happen. But it is happening. You know, I would point to the CEO for uh, Bayside Development for the Bakken Keck. Mm. Uh, Rose Paul is the CEO there, mm. and uh, the you know one of the leadership of the Fisheries Association. In, in Canso, Jenny mm. Boudreau, you know Sarah McLean with the the, the group here uh, with Maritime Launch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I look personally at my family with my my wife uh, mm-hmm. as a mechanical engineer, and and uh, her mom was a especially wonderful mm-hmm. example, you know, for for my kids uh, that have produced uh, other mentors mm-hmm. and, and and leaders in the community, you know, you know medical doctors and in in, uh, in in emergency rooms in Cincinnati, for example. Mm-hmm. So so um, I really think it is nurturing, but I think it's uh, uh, we need to do more to mm-hmm. make sure that opportunity is, is, is for everyone mm-hmm. um, equally as much as possible. And if the pendulum has to swing to, to catch up, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Steve, I really appreciate all your time that you spent with us today to talk about Maritime Launch, what's happening in Nova Scotia, what's happening in the space industry, and hear some of your thoughts around how we can create more space and, and uh, get this industry to be even more inclusive and going and heading in the, in the right direction. If people want to learn more about Maritime Launch, because there's so many interesting things happening, what's the best way that people can learn about uh, what you're doing in your company? Well, we have got MaritimeLaunch.com, of course, is a, a website that mm-hmm. you can go to. We've also got uh, Spaceport Nova Scotia website as well. Mm-hmm. And that one's a little more community focused. It provides uh, terms and conditions for a CLC mm-hmm. meeting. It gives you a lot of the more internal workings of, mm-hmm. of uh, what's going on within the province, et cetera. So, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, I'd like to thank you and uh, thank all of our listeners for tuning in. You can learn more about OnSite 
side uh, on our website. You can check out our Inclusive Innovation Monitor, which is also on our website. And please uh, like and subscribe to our podcast. And as we come to a close, I'd really like to thank Communities, Culture and Heritage for your support. We're so grateful for your support and helping us make this podcast. Thank you very much. This has been a Podstarter production. production.